Ninja. The future. The polar ice caps have melted and the earth lies beneath the watery grave. Those who survive have adapted to a new world. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Geography Ninja. Um, now the question we're looking at today is can beaches survive climate change and most importantly can beaches survive sea level rise and what you just heard at the beginning there was um, really a vo- uh, my own voiceover but uh, it was from the it was taken from the 1995 Kevin Costa film Waterworld in which climate change has melted all of the polar ice caps in fact all all the world's ice uh, raising the oceans by about 25,000 feet and submerging the continents um, beneath the ocean. Uh, set in in the year 2500, um, and it's uh, every continent is underwater. So what is left, it's the, the remnants of humanity. They're telling stories about the fabled dry land, which is a folk memory of a forgotten way of life. Um, all very dramatic, I'm sure. But um, the, the reason that I started with that is because in March of 2020, there was a claim by uh, European researchers, and this was in a paper published in uh, Nature Climate Change, which suggested that half of the world's beaches could become extinct by the end of the 21st century. So a very um, staggering claim, but clearly with sea level rise, uh, we've got big issues to, to look at with this. So our question has got to be, is this correct? Um, so to do this, we're going to take a look at the, the processes involved in sea level rise. And we're also going to take a look at some of those coastlines that are most under threat of flooding. And of course, uh, we're also going to be thinking about this claim about the projected loss of beaches. Now, current estimates actually indicate that global sea levels uh, would rise somewhere between 60 and 70 metres. Um, and for those of you in, in old money or imperial, we're talking about somewhere in, in the region of 195 to about 230 feet. Um, if every glacier and ice sheet was to melt. So it's quite different to what was, what was being suggested there for Waterworld. Um, but even if we take the, the upper end of that, so the 70 metre sea level rise, it would have a major difference on the world's land masses, clearly. And um, <clears throat> there's a Seattle-based mapmaker, a cartographer by the name of Jeffrey Lynn, and Jeffrey's background is in geography and urban planning. Now, he's created a series of maps looking at locations in the US based on this idea of a, a 70 meter rise in global sea levels. And what becomes very apparent looking at these maps is that land masses, they, they do still exist. Um, a very good website, and it's well worth having a look at just to see the, uh, the art uh, of these maps that, uh, that have been created. But, you know, continents won't be completely flooded uh, by ri- by rising sea levels. However, um, it will certainly have a, 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 a 
a devastating impact on global populations, not just coastal communities, because we've got somewhere in the region of, of around a billion people um, are living in locations which are less than 10 metres above sea level. So even if we, if we go on very uh, low estimates for what, uh, how sea level might develop in the coming decades, the coming centuries, then all of these, all of these locations at the coast are going to be, are going to be, uh, you know, uninhabitable well before all of that ice is melted. So what does that mean? Okay, so there's an article in the UK newspaper, The Guardian, and this is dating from April 2021, um, written by Harold R. Winless, who is Professor of Geology and Regional Studies at the University of Miami. And Miami, or actually Florida in the USA, is one of those areas that is um, projected to be very negatively affected by rising sea levels um, throughout the next century. So the article itself is titled, um, Sea Levels Are Going to Rise By At Least 20 Feet, uh, We Can Do Something About It. And one of the main points in the article is, is about the timescale over which sea level rise might occur. And the suggestion is really that, you know, if the 20 feet rise is over the next, say, 2,000 years, it's a really good chance that humans will be able to adapt successfully to it. However, if, if it's likely to be in a much shorter timescale, so in other words, 20 feet over, say, the next 100 years, then the options clearly don't look so good. <clears throat> but whenever we make these projections about future changes, of course, it's always really difficult to be accurate. Uh, futurology and all that sort of thing. And just because there's so many different factors that can come into play. You know, we notoriously get these these things wrong. But um, in the USA, the source for some of these this information projections, scenarios on rising sea level uh, was published in January 2017 in uh, um, an NOAA report also involving the US Geological Survey and the Environmental Protection Agency as well as Rutgers University and the US Department of Commerce and in that report their worst case scenario has a global mean sea level rise of 2.5 metres and the best case scenario suggests uh, 0.3 metres. So, I mean, in a worst case scenario, or any scenario for that matter, that rise doesn't just occur at the end of the timescale, but of course would gl gradually increase over time. And what Professor Winless suggests is that two or three feet, or in other words, just under one metre of sea level rise could theoretically occur by 2050 in the worst case scenario and really for many parts of South Florida this would lead to a range of problems making that landscape pretty much uninhabitable. So loss of access to fresh water, failure of sewage treatment works uh, alongside things like persistent flooding across quite wide areas would potentially lead to the abandonment of locations such as Miami Beach due to rising sea levels. 
And of course, you know, there are other locations as well. So places with major river deltas, such as uh, in Egypt, China and India, we're potentially looking to see uh, mass evacuation on, a, on a, an unprecedented scale. You know, tens of millions of people uh, dealing with rising sea levels in areas that, that have absolutely no way of, of holding back the water. But you know, the question remains with this, what does sea level rise mean for the world's beaches? So we take it for granted, really, that beaches are a permanent feature of coastlines. But in truth, um, all beaches and coast, coastlines are a dynamic. You know, they're changing all the time and they, you know, they will change from one year to the next. So the article that, that was published in Nature Climate Change in 2020 made the point that you know sandy beaches occupy more than a third of the global coastline and factors that affect the their existence the existence of beaches are there's lots of different factors including things like meteorological factors but also geological um, and also anthropogenic or human factors so in that article, in that report, the authors really say that a substantial proportion of the world's sandy coastline is already eroding unsustainably uh, without human in- intervention and a situation that could be exacerbated by, by climate change. So the research suggests that by the end of the 21st century, erosion, which is driven by sea level rise, could result in what they term the near extinction of almost half of the world's sandy beaches. Now, in the best case scenario, the report suggests that the UK will lose 1,531 kilometres, or that's the equivalent of of nearly 28% of its sandy coast. And actually, the worst case scenario, 2,415 kilometres or nearly 44%. Huge, isn't it? So the hardest hit areas in the UK, according to this report, are West Dorset, I know that area quite well, and uh, North Devon, again, yes, Great Yarmouth, Barrow-in-Furness, and North East Lincolnshire. Now, in these areas, beach retreat is predicted to be five times the national average. What are we going to do now? Well, what we're going to do now is think about why sea level rise will occur. And the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, has estimated that sea levels were actually around five metres higher than they are at present during the last interglacial period. That means when we last time we weren't in an ice age. So sea level goes up or down depending on how much of the world's water gets locked up in ice sheets. And a, but, a, of course, a warming climate means that glaciers, ice caps, ice, ice sheets and so on are going to melt and release their water into the oceans. That's where it all, it's all going to end up. So in addition to all of this is the factor of thermal expansion. And why this happens is it's, um, it's like when, when you warm any liquid up, uh, when seawater warms up, it expands in volume 
you know the molecules moving more rapidly around it's 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 filling up a bigger bigger volume so the rising of sea level relative to the land surface um geographers and geologists we give it a, a name we call it eustatic change this when there's more water in the ocean so sea level is higher in, in relation to the to the land and this is what happened at the end of the last ice age when ice sheets began to melt so from around i don't know 12 12,000 years ago adding water to the to the world's oceans and flooding areas which would have included places like the Bering Strait which you know originally would have linked present day Alaska and Siberia or or um Doggerland now I I like I like the um the idea of this of being able to to walk potentially from where the present day UK is to Denmark or the Netherlands but you know if you went back in in time 12,000 years this would have been exposed this is now of course in the middle of the North Sea um, and sea levels are thought to have risen by somewhere in the region of about 120 meters since the last ice age at a range of something around three meters per century. So okay so the other factor to consider is the when the land surface is either rising or falling relative to sea level and geographers have got another term that they use for this type of process and that is isostatic change and again we can connect it to ice ages the end of the last ice age so isostatic change occurs as ice forms and it presses down on land surfaces and you've got all the accumulated weight of the ice now, once the ice is able to recede, so once the ice age is ending and the ice melts, there's a rebound effect, isostatic rebound, which means that surfaces can rise. So if you take the example of the British Isles, we've definitely got a very north-south divide in terms of this isostatic rebound. So back in the last ice age, the northern half of the British Isles were covered by ice sheets the southern half wasn't now what has happened over the last 12,000 years as the the ice has melted the the northern half of Britain has rebounded it's now rising relative to sea level by about 1.5 millimeters per year in some places Um, as a result Scotland's got a number of raised beaches this is where you know beaches has developed on a coastline but it's it's now it's way above the influence of of the sea and the tides and the waves so the other side of this process is that southern britain never having been covered with ice so it was it was really like tundra uh, during the ice age is is sinking so if you think that britain's on almost like on a on a, a pivot so the north is rising the south is sinking it's really a double whammy effect in terms of sea level rise because what it means beaches along the southern coast of England have like a double risk they've got a risk of the of the eustatic sea level rise but in addition to that they've got the isostatic uh, change going on as well other research from the IPCC has shown that o- over time sea levels are increasing their rise and between 1993 and 2010 the average rate of sea level increase was about 3.2 millimeters per year 
saying that, though, by the end of the 21st century, the projection is that this will increase and we're, we're potentially looking at somewhere between 8 and 16 millimetres per year. In fact, um, data from NASA for 2020 uh, suggests that the average rate of sea level rise has increased to 3.3 millimetres per year. Geography Ninja. <laughs> Well, so what is predicted is that low-lying islands such as the Maldives, the Marshall Islands, and uh, the Maldives are in the Indian Ocean, the Marshall Islands are in the Pacific, Tuvalu in the Pacific Ocean, along with many others, may well disappear uh, with future sea level rise. So for the Maldives in particular, um, rising sea levels are given the highest priority because it's a threat to their, their existence as, a, as an island nation. Now, quick, doing a quick Google search for the Maldives, I've never been there, but um, just looking at the beaches, you know, there's countless images of, of picture-perfect tropical beaches. Um, the Maldives actually have, have nearly 1,200 coral islands making up the nation, the archipelago. Um, the Maldives has got the lowest average height above sea level of any country in the world. So they've just got a maximum altitude of just 2.4 metres. But the average uh, for, the, for, the, for the whole country is just 1.5 metres um, above sea level. So the former Maldives president, uh, Mohamed Nasheed, speaking in 2012 said that if carbon emissions continue at the rate that they're climbing today, his country will be underwater in seven years. Now, you know, that was in 2012. The Maldives are still, uh, still exist. However, um, they have explored plans to purchase new land in, in other, other places, such as Australia, Sri Lanka and India, as a result of the, of the ongoing threat. The Maldives, so 80, more than 80% actually of the Maldives is formed of coral islands. You mentioned how, how low they are to sea level. Lots of them are just you know, less than one metre above sea level. But it's there in attracting, or they did before COVID-19, they're attracting in something in the region of 600,000 tourists a year. Being attracted in by the fact they've got coral reefs, they've got you know, perfect white sand and so on. So the loss of beaches is major for the Maldives, but it's just one of uh, many climate-related concerns for the population. They do suffer from persistent coastal flooding, and you've got the, the threat of storm surges has got the potential to increase with rising sea levels. On top of that, you've got an increasing scarcity of fresh water because lots of the water will come from underground, uh, from groundwater, from aquifers, and they are increasingly affected by inundation from salt water. So that's one location. If, if we look to a different part of the world, if we turn our attention to Florida, and in particular South Florida, with locations such as Miami, and I've never been to Miami, my, my only um, my only experience of Miami is through the 80s, uh, show Miami Vice, so apologies for that, uh, but I have got quite fond memories for, on, on that basis. But at the, at the highest level in Florida, there's lots of concerns about 
about their future prospects so of beaches and really to be honest not just beaches because um, South Florida already is dealing with very regular tidal flooding huge amounts of properties um, you know near the coastline are at risk and you know just thinking about the geography of Florida we've got Palm Beach there where Donald Trump has his uh, Mar-a-Lago estate is presumably one of the, the the many coastal properties in Florida that is at very high level of of risk from rising sea levels. Miami Beach is already taking some action against future rising sea levels. It's it's uh, it's got a program set up called the the Rising Above uh, program, which is looking at things like elevating roads, building bigger sea walls installing pumps to mitigate flooding, to pump out flood water. And for the actual beach itself, um, the Florida Department of Environmental Protection has caused the whole, called the whole coastline from Miami to Cape Canaveral critically eroded. Um, and, you know, factors for this will include sea level rise, including, well, as well as really damaging storm surges that are the result of hurricanes, which, of course, many people believe are becoming more frequent and more intense as a result of climate change. Yes, yes, I see, I see. Uh, the, well, the biggest threat is actually coastal defence structures that limit their ability to migrate. Sea level is currently rising and will continue to rise at an increasing rate for many years to come. This will lead to more coastal erosion and it is crucial that we anticipate the future loss of land and take this into account in coastal management and planning to avoid putting more buildings and coastal infrastructure in harm's way. So that's what Professor Andrew Cooper... So these are some pretty high-profile coastal communities and they're spending millions. They're spending an average in Florida of about $50 million on beach erosion. And this is, this is response in, t- in terms of replenishing beaches by replacing eroded sand. So it's a major operation. Okay, so this whole story really is about the extinction of beaches uh, due to sea level rise, and it was actually dismissed. So in in October of 2020, so about six months or something after the the initial research came out, there was an international team of coastal scientists who issued a response. And according to the researchers at the University of Plymouth in the UK, the conclusion is that beaches can survive sea level rise provided they have space to move and what this means is that sea level rise will affect beaches it will make them recede and actually move and it will make them move inland so beaches will will potentially still exist but they'll move inland from where they are so the researchers have said that if beaches are situated in locations where there are there are hard structures coast cliffs or engineering structures behind them they're going to be very likely to disappear because they won't be able to move inland physically. That won't, that can't happen. And geographers and coastal scientists would call this a coastal squeeze, really, squeeze between the the structures behind the beach and and the sea on the other side. And initially, those beaches would decrease in in width, and eventually they'd be inundated uh, with seawater and and just disappear, just drown. So when you've got hard engineering coastal structures like sea walls, it's really it's an interruption to the, the, the natural 
coastal processes and the ability of beaches to be able to adapt to rising sea levels. So the conclusion of the research suggests that it's only if these hard engineering structures are removed uh, will many beaches be able to survive in the future. Now, um, Professor Andrew Cooper from Ulster University, who led on this research, said that he thinks new methods are needed for predicting the impact of sea level rise on the coast. And as sea level rises, shoreline retreat must and will happen. But beaches will survive the biggest threat to the continued to their continued existence said about structures. Now, there's a, there is a bit of an issue here because we love building at the coast, don't we? Um, so I'm not sure where this, where this leaves us. You know, maybe we won't lose half of our sandy beaches by the end of the 21st century, but no one really knows for sure. Uh, some beaches, yes, will be able to migrate over time. We, we like building at, at the coast and, you know, there's certainly... There's a term that I sometimes use with my students, which is coastalization. You know, this process by which humans migrate to the coast or are attracted to the coast. Maybe we're going to need to wave goodbye to a lot of that. All those beach huts and you know luxury developments, which just get in the way of beaches being able to migrate. So one thing seems certain. We are definitely going to need to rethink our relationship with beaches in the 21st century. Okay, well, I hope you found that interesting. I think that's probably just about enough from me. So I'm going to say bye for now and um, see you next time.